Welcome back to The Move. I'm J.B. Hager, joined by Spencer Martin and Johan Bernil. We're going to take a look at the 2023 San Sebastian Classic. Uh, while next door, <laughs> they'll be wrapping up the Women's Tour de France final day, the time trial. We've got a lot going on today. So we've got sort of an adjusted move lineup, but I think this is going to be uh, really, really good having uh, uh, Spencer and Johan talking about this race. And... Remco. We're going to go deep on Remco Evanapool on this episode of The Move. All right, guys, let's jump in and break down what happened. I know we're going to go very, very deep on Remco Evanapool, but we didn't get to see how this race developed. You know, we had to almost kind of read about it and piece some things together for how much we saw. So let's Let's start with uh, how it the race developed and then uh, Remco ending up in the position he was uh, for the finale. We'll start with you, Johan. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of strange you know, to see, to turn on the TV and, and only see the last 60, 65 kilometers after the Tour de France. We saw all the stages from start to finish. Um, but yeah, this is a 230 kilometer race, hard race. Um, and um so there was a breakaway. We didn't see the whole breakaway together, but uh, that breakaway was there for the majority of the of the race. Um, in the back, it was mainly Sudal Quickstep who was taking control of the bunch, having the big favorite Remco Evenepoel, who had won already two times the the, the San Sebastian Classic. Um, and then from there on, what we saw was an attack of, of Remco on one of those climbs. Three riders went with him. Uh, was Vlasov, Peyo Bilbao, and Betiol. They caught a few guys, remainder of the breakaway. And from there on, it was basically down to then four riders, then three. And finally, uh, Remco and Peyo Bilbao went to the finish. So um, there was not really not much more to say. It's a race that was decided on, on pure strength. There was no, no tactics involved, basically. Uh, the strongest guys were up front, and then the two strongest guys followed on in the sprint. Right, Spencer? Yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, Remco won. I, does it feel, though, like he's like a sandbar? The form is always shifting. He's never quite exactly the same. Like, were you surprised that Vlasov and Bill Bow and Betty all could bridge up to him when he attacked? And Or was that smart on his part by letting those guys bridge up. So there's less chase. There's fewer teams chasing him. I, I was a little, it didn't quite feel like Liege Remco that we saw. No, 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 absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, I think um, when he, when he attacked, it was not a, it was not a violent attack either. It was, it looked like it was on the, on the top of one of those climbs. Um, and whether it was intentional or not, uh, it worked out really well for him because, you know, if he had, Bilbao with him and and Vlasov, obviously those teams also knew that their right their their leaders were in good shape. So that's already two strong teams that you kind of eliminate. They're going to chase you, um, and um, yeah. So personally, I have to say I was especially at at the end on the last two climbs, I was a bit. Uh, I'm I'm not going to say surprised that he didn't drop them. I think he spoiled us too much, right in the past. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, what's the problem, Remco? Just drop this guy. Why, yeah, exactly. why is Bill yeah. Bow still with you? <laughs> yeah. But so, I, 
Yeah, go on. Um, I was, yeah, I, I've been thinking about this a lot since the race. I was a surprised by the attack. I'm like, well, this is pretty far out, but you know, he's a wild man. Like he'll just attack whenever in retrospect, maybe more savvy than I gave him credit for at the time, because if he knew he wasn't strong enough just to drop everyone, like if he couldn't drop Bill Bow, there's probably, he's not dropping Felix Gall. He's maybe not dropping Nielsen Palace. So maybe that was a smart move. Get away early. And then that way you're not, if he can't drop 10 guys on the final climb, that's a disaster, right? You're coming into San Sebastian. There's attacks flying left and right. Everyone's looking at you to control it. So maybe it was smart to whittle it down early. Don't whittle it down too much. Keep, keep the teams at bay in the back and then take it to the sprint. I mean, that took a lot of confidence from him to go to yeah, a sprint and also, with Bill Bow. Yeah. Also Spencer, you know, I mean, when, when you, when you have a, your team that has been working all day, you come to a point where, you know, you see, okay, we don't have the strength anymore left to keep everything under control until those last two climbs where in the past, that's when he went. Um, so, so, you know, in that case, what do you do? You just try to make a selection and, and, and you know that you're going to have one of each and, uh, and yeah, in this case, it worked out really well, um, with, you know, with, with, with Vlasov, especially with Vlasov and Bilbao and, you know, I mean, we discussed we we talked about it during the race, Spencer and I, but, you know, we were saying, yeah, why would they, why would they ride with him? You know, but there comes a point in a race where you see that because Bilbao and Vlasov, they felt that Remco was the strongest and they were thinking for sure that they were going to get dropped on that last climb. And so what did they do? They collaborated. They assured the podium, which is, you know, obviously also an interesting and an important thing, you know, if you're on the podium in a, in a, in a world tour classic, that's uh, that has a value. Were you surprised that, uh, yeah, that all makes sense. Kind of as time has gone by, I, I understand the decision more for them to work. Were you surprised that Bill Bow when I saw them come into the final kilometer, Remco goes, goes in front. It's like, well, this is perfect. The old man's out Fox, the kid he's on his wheel. And then with like four or 500 K to go, he goes back to the front. Mm -hmm. giving Remco the far superior sprinting position. Were you surprised about that at all? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But you know what? Bilbao is, he's, he's a strong rider and he's an experienced rider. And I think personally that Bilbao thought he had this. You know, he, he's fast. He's won a lot more races in the sprint than Remco. Uh, in his, I mean, of course, Remco has a young career and Bilbao has... 10 more 10 10 plus years professional but i think he was very confident um and uh and that's obviously something that we've seen this year from Ramco Evenepoel that um his sprint has improved a lot uh you know man to man sprints little uh little groups um i think he has improved a lot there and and you know with that kind of power after such a hard race i think bilbao made a mistake at the end, you know, I want, yeah. you, I want you guys to kind of compare the two because I was watching it and in my mind, I'm thinking, well, Remco's got the fresh legs. He didn't, isn't coming off the tour de France like Bilbao, although Bilbao gets a stage win at the tour, obviously on very good form, a lot of momentum, a lot of encouragement, feeling good. Compare those two. Cause, uh, there's probably an advantage to both tactics coming in fresh or coming off the tour. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, traditionally this, this race was usually always won by a guy who came out of the tour. Um, 
riders who come out of the tour and don't race crits in the in the, in the week uh, in between the tour and uh, and San Sebastian, unless you're called Ala Philippe, uh, who his famous his famous year 2019, I think. He was he did this tour, then he did all the crits, and then went straight to San Sebastian and won. But um normally, you know, on the on that those type of climbs, when you even when you're a little bit tired, but you have sufficient time to recover, these climbs feel relatively easy compared to what you've done and the the the, the stamina you've built up during the three weeks. Um I remember I did this race a few times coming out of the tour, and it's it's such a weird feeling. You start and you are so tired, uh, you know, in the neutral zone already. Then the beginning, of course, the break goes. And then bit by bit, you get into the race and you're still tired. But when the final starts, you have that fifth gear or sixth gear that <laughs> the guys that didn't do the tour don't have. Now, of course, things have changed a lot. Uh in the last 10 years. And, and we see now riders, especially a guy like Remco, um, he doesn't need any races. Every, every time he comes from an altitude camp, he's flying. Um, Bilbao was the other example. He comes out of the tour, obviously still in good shape. He was sixth overall, I guess. So yeah, did, uh, did a really good last week. Uh, and on top of that in, in front of his home crowd. So, um, those, you know, those were two extremes of how to approach the race. And, you know, they both could have won it. I mean, Remco at the end, he wasn't able to drop Bilbao, which was, which was a surprise. I think for Remco also, it was a surprise. He did try to drop him, um, not with an attack, but with a fast tempo, like he usually does. And, um, and he couldn't. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll, yeah, I think, uh, Remco is one of those guys that we put in that upper tier level, right? You know, we always talk about that, this gap between some of these top riders and Remco is in that category. So Bill Bow, like challenging him to the line, pretty much that I was surprised by it and, and happy to see it actually. It's funny. Cause I thought the opposite JB, when they were coming to the line, I was like, Oh, Bill Bow's going to smoke him Cause he's mm. got the tour in his legs. I'm actually looking back through the last, just at every winner of San Sebastian, Remco is really the only one who wins this without doing the tour, which I guess just speaks to his class. Like his, he's just intrinsically so much better than everybody else. He can do altitude camps, parachute in, win a one day race. I don't think many people can, I wouldn't try that at home kids. I don't think many people can do that. And probably the reason JB that he couldn't drop Bill Bow is Bill Bow had the tour in his legs. Absolutely. And Remco was coming in fresh, which you think would be an advantage, but I, I do think there's a strength you build up over the course of a grand tour. Like if Bilbao goes to world championships next week, he could maybe fall off, but for a little bit, you do have quite the boost of form, but he's not go. He's not going to the world. That's a he's, smart move. Well, he's not, no, but he's not selected. I think for oh a, second, second year in a row, he's not selected, which is strange. Is there's that? a lot of, there's a lot of, there's something there. Yeah. That's uh, it's not, listen, it's not, it's not really a course for Bilbao either, but uh, but still, um, it's it's strange. It's very strange. Mm. Um, let's, let's talk about how it's the third win for Remco, and that's mm -hmm. all uh, of this race, and that's only been done by one other rider, correct? I saw uh, after the race my my ex teammate uh, Marino Lejareta. Um, I think he. I mean, he was he was a great 
Tour de France, Giro, Vuelta rider in the in the eighties uh, and early nineties, was known to. I mean, he won the, he won the race three times at the beginning, of San Sebastian when it existed. But he was also very well known for several years doing uh, Giro Tour and Vuelta. Or I mean, back then it was Vuelta Giro Tour in the same season, and usually got better. Uh, like the tour was always his best, uh, his best performance. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so Marino gave him the, the trophy and, and Remco is now the, the, the second rider who was able to win this, uh, this race three times in Remco's case, it's, you know, it's not three times consecutive, but it's three times that he participated and the three times he won it. So it's, it's safe to say that this is together with Liege, his favorite race. Yeah, he's never not won it. He's the only person to ever win three San Sebastians in three appearances. It's really yeah. unbelievable. I guess the course, it's almost like they designed it for him, right? It's steep walls, flat valleys, steep walls, flat valleys. So for, it actually, if you were coming in and trying to come up with a game plan on how to beat him, it, it would be really difficult. I think Bill Bow would be as close as you could imagine you know, take him to a sprint. Maybe don't go in the front, try to out sprint him. That's the only option I could think of. Yeah, well, for the first thing is try to stay with him, which was already, you know, from Bilbao, uh, amazing. I, I thought, I thought, he, I mean, he because he was definitely on the limit. So was Ramco, because otherwise he would have dropped them. Um, but on that last climb, I don't know if you saw that, Spencer. So uh, Bilbao in the beginning was struggling at the beginning of the climb. And then just before the top, it was like, and I think Bilbao was on the limit of getting dropped. And he, he came next to Ramco kind of to say, hey, I'm still here. And that may be what has saved him. That even a pool looked and he said, shit, this guy is still here, you know? Um, obviously, Bilbao knows the course. So does Ramco, by the way, because uh, he's done this race now uh, a few times, so he knows the course. But um, it, it it took a lot of, you know, power, but also savviness of of Bilbao to to stay with Ramco. And, and, you know, hats off to him. That was an amazing performance. And I was good. Go ahead, JB. Oh, I just do you think he, Remco has targeted this race because of the, the timing? It's, uh, go, you know, he has this form, he goes right into Worlds and Vuelta again. That's part of it, right? Just the way they time out. Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, if I'm not mistaken, his, his last race was the Belgian Championships, which, uh, which he won. Uh, since then he hasn't raced anymore. He went, he went on an altitude camp and he was reconning some, uh, some of the mountain stages of the Vuelta. So, um, even a pool and he said it himself in the interview, he said, you know, when I come from, uh, from a training camp, altitude camp, I'm, I always feel great. So, uh, this was an ideal race to do just after the, after the training camp, um, I mean, the guy is so confident. I mean, I so confident when he when he speaks. You know, like I said, well, you know, it's also nice to to win. You, you know, this your last your last race in the world champions jersey. You know, mm -hmm. he says, yeah, um, maybe I'm not gonna have it for for one day. He said, which is the day of the world championships. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And what's funny, JB, you'd say that because I was thinking like he's single-handedly turning this race from a post tour. Traditionally, it's like 
it's really just the fifth week of the tour. Like you do the tour, you show up. If you maybe you didn't get the results you wanted, you can win San Sebastian. He's kind of turning it into like a, a Vuelta gear up. Like the, I've actually never seen anyone just like, well, I'm preparing for the Vuelta. I'll win San Sebastian. I think he was the first person to ever do it last year to win San Sebastian and the Vuelta in the same year. He's be. Def, definitely one of the favorites for the Vuelta this year. It appears to be doing the same thing. It is a little bit tricky. I think San Sebastian, maybe not the most sparkling addition because the schedule is so weird this year. You have the tour, San Sebastian, same time as it was last year, but the vault is a week later. So maybe that's why we didn't see Rimco so, so strong because he has to stretch this another week and he has to go to Worlds next week. It kind of got sandwiched in between Worlds, the vault and the tour. So that could explain some of the inability to drop Bill Bow. But today's show is brought to you by Ketone IQ. You've been hearing us on the Move podcast for some time. I mean, gosh, since 2017 or 18, we've been talking about ketones and the effect it's had on the fitness and the Peloton. Now it's become part of our routine here. Literally everyone on the crew is having a shot of ketones, probably mostly sometime in the morning or maybe pre-exercise. I've been using it for some time now, and I've shared with you uh, on previous shows just to help with mental clarity. I've backed off on the coffee, which I never thought I would do, and just more sustained energy. I don't have that bonk uh, midday that I used to just getting by on four cups of coffee. Now I have my shot of HVMN uh, Ketone IQ first thing in the morning, and it has made an absolute difference also with mental clarity, sharpness, and I've noticed a difference. So you can save 30% off your first subscription order of Ketone IQ at HVMN.com slash the move today's show is also brought to you by ag1 uh let's be honest even uh, no matter how good you are with your diet probably most of us are not getting enough veggies right we're not getting all the vitamins and minerals we need on a daily basis ag1 has made it so easy part of your routine a little scoop in some water what i love about it is it tastes good and you don't need to blend it literally a shaker uh, or hit it with a spoon and it it just dissolves immediately. You know, you've had some of this, maybe you had a supplement before where it gets real chalky, thick, you don't like it, tastes great, easy to use, and it checks a box on the on a lot of the supplements and everything you need on a daily basis. And it only costs you three bucks a day to make it part of your routine. Try AG1 to get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and 10 free AG1 travel packs. Yes, that's 10 free travel packs with your purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash the move. That's drinkag1.com slash the move. Last but not least, today's show is also brought to you by One Skin. Uh, I've had now, made, I know I sound like a broken record, but uh, all these cool products that I'm introduced to on this show become part of my routine. And this became part of my routine quicker than anything because, uh, you know, I'm in the sun a lot. Like I'm sure you are as well. If you're out on your bike, you're in the sun, you're in the wind, your skin takes a beating. You probably haven't been taking care of it like you should. One Skin is a great solution for it. Um, there, it was founded by four women PhDs who tested over a thousand of these peptides to find the perfect solution that helps stop aging of your skin. It really is remarkable. I use that as a daily thing. And then I also use their cream that goes under your eyes. Again, uh, I'm getting, as I'm getting older, get the little bags under the eyes, 
part of my daily routine. It feels better. My daughter's not hounding me like she used to, to take better care of my skin because she and I are out on the boat a lot as well. So lots of sun damage over the years, and I'm trying to reverse some of that. So check out One Skin. Uh, again, it's become part of my routine. It probably will on yours. Get 15% off with the code JB2. That's JB squared. Uh, JB2 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with the code JB2. Like, Johan, what do you, like, like how does, how, do you see this going well for Remco? Like, do you think he's going to go to Worlds? I'm sure he's going to be fantastic at Worlds, but can he stretch us all the way through the Vuelta against a hard field? I mean, yeah, it's, it, Vuelta is going to be amazing this year, especially now that Jonas Vingegaard has announced that he's also doing the Vuelta. So, you know, Roglic and Vingegaard together. Uh, we have Grain Thomas as the leader of Ineos. We have Juan Ayuso and Almeida together, where we already know how that's going to go uh, in terms of tactics. Um, and then we have Eric Mas. Uh, we have Vlasov. I mean, Vlasov was off my radar uh, for a bit. You know, this guy has not raced since his crash at the Giro. So I think he was like eight weeks without racing. Um, so two months, no racing. Um, he abandoned at the Giro. I don't know if it was COVID or a crash. Um, but anyway, so he's preparing for the, he's preparing for the Vuelta. So, um, it's long, it's long, but I mean, listen, we said the same about Vingegaard and Jumbo Visma, right? When they, when they was, they dominating the Dauphiné and then in the tour, they were very dominant too, um, I think I think it's 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 possible. Yeah, it's not going to be easy for Remco because the the field obviously is packed with with candidates. But in terms of of planning and and keeping his form, I'm not too worried about that. Um, do you, I'll tee this up for both of you. Do you think this is the most anticipated Vuelta we've seen in some time? It has I mean, to be right. I can't that's a, think that's of a lot of big dogs for the Vuelta, right? Well, there's, I mean, there's only only Pogacar is missing. There's yeah. th that's the only one. There's nobody else. I mean, they're all there, which is which is a big change, you know, because usually the Vuelta is, with all due respect, you know, it's it's not the Giro, uh, not as prestigious as the Giro, and definitely not as the Tour. So it's like the third race. Um, so I mean, the fact that all these guys show up I and mean, for sure the intention of, of, of Jumbo Visma is to win the three grand tours in one season. You know, that's their goal. No, no team has ever done this before. Hmm. Um, but then, you know, also to see Geraint Thomas gear up again after his, I mean, successful Giro, we have to say, you know, even if he lost it in the last time trial, uh, that was a surprise for me. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's going to be super super nice to watch. Is it is it the third Grand Tour? I mean, I would agree. Traditionally, it's the third most important one. If you go back to like when Chris Froome started to go to the Vuelta, I feel like the fields have been stronger there than the Giro. Like if yeah. you just look at the top three of the Giro and the Vuelta since let's say 2018, the Vuelta kind of consistently pulls in bigger talent than the Giro does. Some of that is just luck being the last grand tour people have to show up to try to get a result if they've had a disappointing season but 
I think the Vuelta probably is actually, if you if you trace it back to the takeover by ASO, has really gotten their act together. I mean, it's a serious race now. It has a lot to do that it's ASO also. You know, let's not forget ASO has a lot of, if not all the power in cycling. So that, that has a lot to do with it. Uh, although I think that most riders, if you, if, you, if you ask them, hey, what would you prefer to win? The Tour of Spain or the Tour of Italy? They would say the Giro. It has more history. It's more appealing. It's more heroic, you know, than 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 the Vuelta. Uh, historically, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would definitely agree with you there. And and and, and the fans, the fans are completely different. Also, you know, uh, the Vuelta now in September, so every, the, the holidays are over. Every, everybody's back to work. Hmm. It's not as cultural. As the Giro and the, G- the Giro, you know, you see all these villages are pink. Uh, you won't see any villages in red <laughs> in the in the Vuelta because of the red jersey. Um, but uh, but no, I, I agree with you in terms of in terms of Palmares. The last uh, 10, 15 years, it's definitely uh, gotten up there with with the Giro. Now this will be fun because uh, it, when you start talking numbers and you have Johan and Spencer on the show, this is good. But yeah, I think Johan, you you found some numbers that might validate that uh, Remco is right up there on these similar numbers we're seeing with Pogacar and Vingago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that- well, he 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 said himself. First of all, he said himself in in an interview I read read, read from him that the, you know the numbers he has seen in the tour. Uh, he has done those numbers already uh, or close to it, you know? And now I saw somewhere, I don't remember where, but it was, um, and this is of course on shorter climbs, right? Uh, it's, it's, but in, in San Sebastian, um, one of the years he won, there was one of those climbs, which was like 14, 14 minutes. And he had done six, uh, he had done 7.1 watts per kilo over that 14 minutes and uh this year he done 6.9 watts per kilo on one of the climbs um now to say that that's equal as the value of Pogacar and and, and Vingegaard that's that's there's still a difference because these guys have done it in three week stage races which is completely different than doing it in a one day race but i think that if you put those guys are like like Vingegaard, Pogacar. Um, I mean, Van der Poel and, and Van Aert, of course, we don't know because it's a different type of rider. But for the stage racers, if there's one rider who has it also and but still needs to develop, I think it's Remco Evenepoel to try to be up there with them. He's not there yet, but I think he can be in the future. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind. Like in a vacuum, drop these guys into a one-day race. He's up there with, with Pogacar Vinegard. I don't disagree with that at all. JB, does this kind of remind you of like a masters racer who's doing the masters and then is like, you know, I could win the I could win the pro one too. I'm doing the same <laughs> numbers that these guys are. It's like, well, dude, you could do it. Like he he was welcome to go to the tour this year and also match Vinegard on the climbs. And I, I just, I just would not have advised him to come out with these comments to say like, mm. you know, I'm just as good. I, I probably wouldn't have been dropped in the tour. It was like, Hey, you could have been well, there, man. Say that. Don't, <laughs> Spencer, don't make it. Listen. <laughs> oh boy. You're, here we go. You know, you're, you're, you're starting to become the journalist, the, 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 the tabloid <laughs> journalist there. <laughs> by making up quotes from something. Um, 
but listen you have to you have to say to the in it's not the first time he makes comments that backfire at him uh he's a confident guy you know i i remember and i you know i've said this already a few times you know uh when he started racing he was in the in the team of my nephew and from the very the very first races after three or four races it was like okay, the, there was the team meeting, you know, at a, at a, in a stage race. Actually, it was this stage race in the in the Basque Country, which was his first experience, and he he uh, he raced like a crazy, no tactics, no thinking. He, I think he finished second or third. Uh, the race was actually won by Ben Healy, uh, junior junior race. Uh, and after the meetings, he said, you know, well, you know, listen, I mean, you know, they can say what they want about the tactics, but these guys are not better than me. I'm going to win as a junior so you know it's, that's it's more that's of... that's his personality is to make these kind of yeah, comments yeah okay yeah well that's yeah. good that's but, that's but right. but but you need to be careful when you say that in, as a professional writer with his status and his media exposure uh, well that's let's just imagine just imagine Jonas Vindegaard is Lance Armstrong you know you, they have to have somewhat of a similar mindset like Vindegaard's clearly a competitor imagine Lance reading those comments oh yeah 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 and yeah. That, like do you know how tuned up he would be to go just <laughs> destroy Remco Evenepoel I feel like it didn't need to be said something don't, that don't, you could just don't, keep to don't yourself. poke the bear right don't poke the bear yeah <laughs> the I, I'd imagine there's some annoyance on Jonas's part having read that Nah, I don't think so. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I think. I don't think Vingegaard is that kind of. Definitely a competitor. Definitely. Uh, you know, although he is, he's a quiet guy, but uh, definitely inside he has this, you know, killer instinct. Um, but he's just gonna show it with the pedals, and and, but you know, there's there's not that many guys who who are up there with six point nine, seven point one watts per kilo you know yeah that's true <laughs> yeah it's really just it might be those three guys yeah four if maybe Roglic um I'd be curious to to mm -hmm. delve into that what do you think about Juan Ayuso that was kind of the other yeah interesting yeah. lingering thing for me I maybe expected more of him but he crashed earlier yeah. this week and he's coming into a really big part of a season yeah he crashed he cra he was on his way to the win he was alone in front and then he crashed uh didn't hurt himself too much but he definitely was on a bad day uh still still finished top 10 though um which says a lot about him as a right as a racer because at some I point I saw this. 11 so top 11 oh 11 okay where was carlos rodriguez so carlos rodriguez was 15th which okay, okay. pretty okay. good actually considering that i don't know why they sent him there hurt but not a bad result at coming no, off that crash. No, no, I don't. I don't know why he, why he went there either. Um, but but yeah, Ayuso is is one of those guys who you know. Ayuso already said you know like from next year on, it's he wants to go to the tour. So that that that's one, another another one of those those guys with that killer inst uh, mentality, you know. Let's do one last thing here. Uh, we've got a lot going on as the the women's tour is wrapping up today as well. And it's been a great tour, if you haven't been following. Uh, since we've been spending most of the show talking about Remco, your final thoughts here. We've talked about this stacked Vuelta, but what about Worlds? You know, he's he's the returning champion. Uh, how does this look for Remco for, for Worlds? And I know, Johan, I think you're, maybe you too, Spencer, are pretty familiar with this course. Does it favor him? 
the timing's different this year because everything's happening for all the disciplines in Glasgow. What are your th quick thoughts on that for Remco? Yeah, well, the, the, listen, the course is not ideal for him. Uh, it's it's accessible for a lot of different type of riders, but neither was Australia, you know, last year. It was basically uh, behind him. It was basically almost a bunch print. So um, a world champ, any world championships, they're always hard. As, uh, you know, uh, the repetition and if there's a little bit of difficulty in it it's and the distance, uh, but it's not going to be easy for him to repeat. You know, it's not because you're Remco Evenepoel that you're going to win all the world championships. He's definitely going to try. Um, I think he has more chances in the in the time trial than on the on the road, on the road race. Uh, plus, you know, he's sharing the leadership with Wal van Aert in the Belgian championships in the Belgian selection. So. Um, it's gonna be gonna be interesting to see what the tactics are. I mean, it's pretty easy to see what I mean. Remco just has to try to attack uh, from further out, and and Van Aert has to save himself for the final. But uh, from what I've hear heard about the course, it's technical. It's let's hope for everybody. It's not gonna rain. There's always always big chances of rain in Scotland. Um, but definitely, you know, I mean, it's, the World Championships is on his radar of Ramco. And if he starts, he has a chance. You know, if you give him 50, 100 meters, it may be okay. You know, that's over. But it's not going to be easy. Well, he can sprint now, which helps. You know, you would, <laughs> if you would have asked me like 12 months ago, is this a good course for him? I'd say no, because he has to win solo. But he doesn't have to win solo anymore. That's a big advantage. I also have a theory that... World Championships, Olympics, there's all this analysis of the course. Throw it out the window. Like, no one knows anything about these courses. Like, look at Australia last year. That was a city circuit with, like, a hill that we would ride up and maybe be like, oh, that was kind of hard. But we wouldn't really think that much about it. But over the course of, what, 250, 260K, everything starts to feel hard. The racing is hard from gun to line to line. So I think these courses, are. it's just really hard to dig into them. If if the race is hard, it's going to suit Remco. Winning two worlds is really hard. I mean, how many people, Alaphilippe and Sagan are really the only two riders I can think of to recently do that? Back to back. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's tough. I, I would be surprised if he does it, but the fact that he can sprint is a huge, huge advantage now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, after a hard race, I would not want to go to the line with him. No. Mm -hmm. Do you guys feel like worlds? I'm not complaining. Does it feel like we just finished a cake and now we're starting another cake? <laughs> like, this timing is a little tough. Like, oh man, I just watched all these guys at the tour. Now they're back on one, the same course as the tour that we got worlds next week. It feels like a lot. It's yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what, what the idea is. I mean, they apparently they want to do it every four years, right? Every four years do all the cycling disciplines in one in, in one place because you know all the cycling disciplines BMX mountain bike uh, whatever else there is uh it's all going to be downhilling it's all going to be there um I can see the appeal of that though if like if you want to if you're a cycling cycling enthusiast you want to take a trip yeah you can go it's like going to the olympics i'm going to go see this 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 and this it, it would just make your trip so worthwhile as opposed to sitting on a hilltop and watching them go by for 30 seconds yeah. you know yeah no yeah yeah i agree but we'll see after the first after the first experience how that how that pans how that out plays out yeah 
Well, great. Uh, awesome show, guys. Thank you very much, Johan and Spencer. We're going to wrap this up. Check out the women's tour. We've been. This is the final day of covering that. It's been an excellent tour to, to, to cover, to watch, and enjoy. And also, uh, at wedo.team, there's a button, uh, an icon on, on the site for travel. All right. I think there maybe still be that one slot in Mallorca. You can join Johan, Lance, George, Jan Ulrich, and and the others on the trip that's that's uh right around the corner and then we're piecing together some stuff for the spring classics so all that information is on the travel section at we team thanks guys i appreciate it and uh thanks for joining us yeah thanks Thank for you. having me okay bye <laughs>